Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch radio show. My guest today is Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch radio show. Well, it's good to be with you, Kim. Uh, it's uh, nice to have a little bit of cold weather in Oklahoma and Texas to remind us just how important uh, natural gas is to keep us warm and oil and gasoline in our cars to get us going uh, to where we need to go. I couldn't agree with you more. It's a great reminder. We're having some really serious a cold snap here, and I think it's taken a lot of people by surprise. But good old natural gas is right there to come and save the day like usual. So you, so your association, let's get started with, you are no newbie to oil and gas. Um, a lot of your experience comes from being in the oil and gas field in DC for many, many years. Start uh, by telling us a little bit about, you're the, currently the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma, an association out there that really focuses on helping lobby and educate elected officials, the importance of energy specifically to oil and gas. We know it's not going to go anytime soon. It's an important commodity. We need it to live and work and just survive. So I guess my question would be to you is tell us a little bit about your background in oil and gas. How did you come to the association and how long have you been around uh, oiling us? Well, uh, the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma represents more than 1,400 members of the upstream, midstream, and downstream oil and gas community that are active in the mid-continent. Uh, frequently, they're going to have interests and assets in the other oil and gas uh, producing regions of the United States, but we're really there as their advocacy arm at the state capitol in Oklahoma, at their uh, Oklahoma Corporation Commission, which is the regulatory body, the Department of Environmental Quality, et cetera, as well as the stuff that we do at the federal level. Uh, I have been in my current role as president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma since May of 2020. I was in Washington, D.C. at the time after a stint in Houston for New Field Exploration, which was the number one operator in Oklahoma at that time and uh, had gone back to D.C. and then was asked to come lead the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma, which is the merger of the Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association and the Oklahoma Oil and Gas Association, the old mid-continent uh, oil and gas association. So that's what we do, and I represented both of those entities uh, in my previous positions. Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association, I represented in D.C. as their federal lobbyist for some time, and then represented the American Exploration and Production uh, Council, the uh, Royalty Owners and Producers Educational Coalition, and a number of other oil and gas uh, entities. Brooke, how much of oil and gas, I mean, I know the association advocates on behalf of, you know, protecting oil and gas, uh, their assets, making sure there's an abundance to the state, 
you mentioned also the importance of us remembering that this cold snap, you know, us being nice and warm and having Petro in our cars is all uh, due to oil and gas specifically. How much of uh, oil and gas is actually provided to your state in the way of how important of a resource is it to your state? Texas here, it's, a, it's vital. It provides a lot of jobs, a lot of income, provides a good amount of GDP into our state. How much, how relevant is it in Oklahoma? It's incredibly relevant to Oklahoma. As a matter of fact, we just completed an economic study where we look back over 20 years, and in both good years and bad years, the oil and gas industry in Oklahoma is responsible for more than one half of the state's real annual GDP growth. So that means in both good years and bad, we're the ones sort of carrying uh, the load. And like Texas, the Oklahoma Treasury receipts set a new all-time high for 2022 at $17.4 billion. That's a 15% increase or $2.2 billion yeah. increase over 2021. And by far the vast majority wow. of that is thanks to the oil and natural gas industry. Uh, we basically oh, are responsible for about one out of every $5 in household income in the state of Oklahoma. So it's uh, pretty, pretty important. Well, um, that was numbers. And of course, where that money goes trickle down to is all, it's, it's like Texas. It's going to help the state's coffers in whatever it needs, rather it's education, school reform, law enforcement, probably road, transportation. A lot of good things come out of these uh, money that have been uh, you know, raised or if you will, coming from the oil and gas sector. Let's uh, talk specifically about Oklahoma and, um, and what is happening in your specific area. The show is aired in different market areas from Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mexico, uh, New Mexico. So I wanna give our listeners an opportunity to understand currently being a past uh, lobbyist, if you will, and the association is, is educated in lobbying, lobbying elected officials. Some of the main things that are happening in your state, I want to talk about um, them. So the, tell us about the, the recorded receipts for the state pertaining to um, the importance of the amount that's coming in and, and the receipts that are coming. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what is that and then are, what are the other areas as you're specifically focusing on in your area uh, in Oklahoma? Well, we are the largest private sector employer in Oklahoma, and we are by far the largest taxpayer in the state of Oklahoma. So you're talking about more than 4,000 oil and gas business establishments in the state of Oklahoma, more than 3,114 upstream companies, uh, so again, for 2022, the Oklahoma Treasury receipts, the tax revenue coming in, hit an all-time high of about $17.4 billion, which is an incredible amount of money that the state has to spend on its public priorities. Uh, the vast majority of that comes you know, off the top money to education, more than $2 billion a year, really, that we're putting into directly into education and off the top monies from our severance taxes, our gross production taxes in the state of Oklahoma. So for every school, uh, road, bridge, uh, et cetera, that funding is incredibly important. And legislators in Oklahoma uh, realize that. So there have been times when there have been budgetary pressures in the past where they have made some uh, decisions 
for political reasons that really sort of uh, undermine the industry. And one of our jobs is to, to remind them not to do that because their actions have consequences and you see capital redeployed to other oil and gas states. And uh, someone likes to say, you know, capital is a coward. So if there is uncertainty associated with that and, and there are perhaps guaranteed better returns in other places, Oklahoma lawmakers, if they're not careful, can chase that capital away. So that's one of the things that we spend our time reminding them of. There have been more than 3,000 bills filed as the uh, Oklahoma State Legislature begins its session for 2023. And uh, not all of those are going to pass the sniff test when it comes to us. We're gonna probably kill some of those outright. And then others are probably gonna try to make better. Let's switch gears and talk about um, the pricing, if you will, for natural gas, because that's been a concern, uh, I'm assuming for everyone, but primarily it's been kind of, it's been on a record high and all of a sudden it has hit, uh, it's holding on a low now, if you will. So it's kind of offsetting because of demand. Tell us a little bit about, is your state more of a gas state or natural gas? And if so, what is the alliance's position on the pricing that we're seeing now with natural gas? Where do you see it going? Well, it's uh, hard to guess where prices, commodity prices are going to go from day to day. Uh, you know, we are we remain long term bullish on oil and gas, but we are seeing some softening in the mid-continent in anticipation of the recession and then that retreat in natural gas prices that you mentioned. You know, one of the important things that I'm reminding folks of at the state capitol is that those gross receipts that I just talked about are largely the result of the valuation of natural gas and crude oil. And Oklahoma is a gassy state, and uh, this is not necessarily due to production volumes uh, right now. So if you have the federal government trying to squeeze out U.S. domestic oil and gas production using a whole of government approach to that end, then naturally folks are going to uh, invest less and the resultant higher prices. We saw that commodity price uh, sort of spike and run up. Uh, certainly the war in Ukraine uncertainty about what would happen in Europe drove some of those prices. Uh, thankfully, we've had a warmer winter in Europe and we have not lost as many lives as could have been lost. But I tell you what, we uh, sure have probably burned a heck of a lot more wood than we should be burning to keep uh, Europe warm and safe. But we've been able to supply the natural gas also to help them get through these tough times. You make a good point. <clears throat> and I want to, after break, come back to the uh, European ban, uh, European Union's ban on Russia fueling uh, their imports. We're going to talk about that. I want to talk about the White House's um, statement, well, what's wrong with a uh, capitalist uh, oil and gas company, if you will, making profits and returning it to their shareholders. I think that's what they're supposed to do, <laughs> uh, but I could be wrong. I want your opinion on that. Um, and a lot more stuff, but we do have to take a quick break, Brooke. Let us take a break when we come back and get on those topics and more. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Brooke Simmons, the president of the Petro Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, we talked a little bit about the association, uh, you guys' mission, uh, but I want to cover how important Oklahoma really is in the way of oil and gas. You guys are number six in uh, as oil producers in the United States. You guys have three uh, 32.9 billion in total sales GDP pertaining to oil and natural gas. You're the fifth largest gas producer in the United States. This is Oklahoma, guys. I mean, this is a big state, 800 million in gross production and tax revenue for public uh, funds for the education, which a lot of people don't make that connection together. I mean, we can go on and on. You guys provide 522,000 barrels of oil refined per day. You guys are definitely providing a lot of services to uh, the United States as well as the world. And I wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to talk to us about some um, the, the receipts that you guys have going on in your state specifically pertaining to how important oil and gas is. Can you go into specifically telling me a little bit about the state receipts, what they are, and how does it affect people from Oklahoma? Sure. I'm happy to, Kim. Uh, you know, I think it's important to remember that in addition to that refined product or the refined barrels of oil per day that we're producing, we're also producing more than 441 uh, 100,000 barrels of oil per day. So 441, 100,000 barrels of oil per day is up off of the lowest level after the COVID uh, incident of about, had about 315,000, 100,000 barrels of oil at that point. So that's a, that's a nice improvement we're seeing. Um, like Texas, I mean, Oklahoma Treasury receipts set an all-time high for 2022 at about $17.4 billion. That's a 15% increase over 2021, or you know, $2.2 billion more. And by, 
far, the vast majority of that is thanks to the oil and natural gas industry. Uh, the gross production taxes that you spoke of earlier going into uh, Oklahoma's uh, education, its roads, its bridges, and its other public spending priorities, and that really comes from us. Oh, you know, you all also are, have Cushing as well. Tell, right. tell us a little bit about how important that is, because that is major. Well, if you're paying uh, uh, attention to the price of West Texas Intermediate on a daily basis, it's priced at Cushing. So that's how important it is. And uh, we're the number one pipeline crossroads of the world in Oklahoma. Uh, hundreds of thousands of miles of uh, pipeline infrastructure in the state of Oklahoma, crisscrossing and transporting two thirds of the energy we produce to other states and to the world. So that's, that's quite, a, quite an achievement for the Midcon. Uh, we're not as hot as the Permian Basin is right now, of course, but we still have a role to play, as do our other peer states uh, all across the United States when it comes to energy production, U.S. domestic energy security, and as you well know, that's national security as well. So give us an update on some of the things that are happening specifically. We know Oklahoma's key. What is happening in your legislature or in your state that the alliance is paying close attention to? Give us some insight to what's happening. Well, there, there are a couple things to touch on there. There have been more than 3,000 bills filed at the beginning of the Oklahoma legislative session. We are now three days into that Oklahoma legislative session. And there are a few bills that we're going to kill pretty quickly, I hope. Uh, one of them would, would be a new tax on minerals, regardless, regardless of whether they're being produced or not. If they are severed from the surface estate, um, someone has come up with a really bad idea to begin taxing those. Now, our taxing system is different than is Texas's, uh, but it has worked for Oklahoma. Uh, but this is just an example of one of the bills that we need to take a, a swipe at, and we're alerting our members as well as mineral owners across the state of Oklahoma and uh, through other organizations just to make certain that they're aware of this. And these sort of bad ideas, when they pop up, they can have a very negative impact on oil and gas investment in Oklahoma. Well, you mentioned a couple of others. What are some of the others that y'all are focusing on besides the mineral rights? Well, uh, increasingly, we are increasingly getting involved in discussions regarding power generation and electricity. And as you well know, we are now sort of seeing the limits of intermittent power generation. The wind does not always blow. The sun does not always shine. Yet we have, uh, you know, federal policies, and in the past have had state policies, uh, even current have state policies that sort of incent additional wind and solar being added to the grid. And if you don't have reliable baseload power ready to go, or you're not using uh, reliable baseload power from natural gas, then you're going to have more problems associated with winter storms like Uri, where I believe 246 people died, froze to death in Texas. Uh, Oklahoma was pretty close to having a, a similar, uh, very um, negative event. Uh, we missed it probably by about two days of being uh, sort of almost in the same shape as uh, Texas was at the time. But natural gas and storage really saved a lot of lives uh, during that time period. So Increasingly, we are getting involved in discussions about what electric generation looks like 
And if we have moved away from reliable baseload power, from clean burning natural gas, then it's going to be really important for the utilities to think about longer term contracts and actual physical storage of natural gas. Otherwise, we're all going to be in trouble. And to getting back to the numbers that we've discussed, I mean, Oklahoma's oil and gas industry is responsible for more than one half of Oklahoma's real annual GDP growth in both good years and bad years. So if you want the benefit of the oil and natural gas industry in Oklahoma, you're going to have to start thinking about ways to make certain that they have uh, a continued role to play in all of this magical thinking that is happening with regard to what our future might look like. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to take a quick break. But when we return, I want to get on the president's State of the Union last week because big oil was mentioned in there. And one of the key things was he clearly said oil and gas isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And I believe he got an applause of some booze. <laughs> but let's take a quick break. If you're listening to the Noel Pet Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that'll go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at texasmutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petro Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, uh, we had last week, uh, President Biden gave his State of the Union, and um, there it was, I think it was received with some mixed signals. Uh, some of it was with booze and some of it was cheers uh, from their party and the Republican Party. Um, and there was discussion on energy uh, at record profits, as well as uh, that there is no time in the near future are we going to get off uh, oil and gas. And this is coming from a president who has pretty much made it very clear that he wants to get off big oil and gas as fast as he can. So my question, my first question to you is, what's y'all's, what is your position, the alliance's position pertaining to the state of the union? What did you all pick up that was the most important thing when he said, we will not be off oil and gas anytime soon? Well, we were, of course, pleased to hear finally some acknowledgement that oil and natural gas is going to remain an important part of uh, America's energy security. But I was struck by a few things when I looked at some of the highlights of the State of the Union address and read through the transcript as delivered. Um, first and foremost, you know, the State of the Union address has become a much less serious and much more of a publicity stunt full of gotchas and 
false promises, some campaign. Oh, yes. It certainly is more entertaining for political nerds now than it used to be. But I think that I was struck by a couple things. One, I think people are perhaps starting to realize that the emperor has no clothes when it comes to comments on energy. When he delivered the State of the Union, he basically told Texas, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, New Mexico, Oklahoma, North, North Dakota, and all the other oil and gas producing states for which uh, you know, those economies are dependent upon uh, energy production like that, that they should start turning out their lights, right? Because their oil and natural gas economies only have about 10 years left to go. And then some sort of magical thing is going to happen, and we're no longer going to need oil and natural gas or coal for that matter. So that's baloney, and it was truly laughable. So I was glad to see people finally feel free to laugh at the ridiculous ideas and, frankly, those who are peddling that BS. So that was something that struck me as, I think, a net positive. Uh, the one thing that I noted is that this bipartisan effort that we are focusing on to bring manufacturing jobs back home is a very important thing. Uh, you know, the president called for use of made in the USA construction materials and federal infrastructure projects, whether that's immediately achievable or not, I don't know. But it's important to remember that that made in the USA Natural gas and crude oil is critical to the goals of bringing manufacturing jobs back home and to enable a United States that is both strong at home and abroad. So those were two things that that caught my attention, and uh, I was happy to see the, the, the first, that folks are laughing at silly ideas, and then hopefully we'll be able to convince the administration that made in the USA also means made in the USA oil and natural gas. You know, it's so important that everyone unite between all of the, the oil and gas associations to bring that message because, um, you know, an interview we did last week was with uh, my summer, who is the president of API, the uh, largest trade association. And, you know, what the hope is, is that this president and uh, his administration will start working a little bit more closely in bringing forth a lot of the, um, you know, just the the mindset to help the American people understand that everything has a cost when we start looking at regulation, shutting it down. And you're right. He did say that it's not going anywhere. But even if we get a handle on it here, Brooke, I'm sure you'll agree that the world still needs uh, energy and that not everyone can afford the energy as they see it. So it's vital that we continue to produce oil and gas for other countries as well, like our allies in Europe that have seen the consequences of turning this, flipping the switch and going to green too quickly. So yeah. in the, in the state of the union, did you, uh, did you hear anything like that, that you can work with, that you guys feel confident that y'all are going to come together with this administration? You did seem a little more friendlier to the idea of oil and gas. Well, let's take a quick break. When we return, I want to get back on the State of the Union. Uh, you're listening to In the Old Patriot Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oilfield Experts specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. 
Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Brooke Simmons, the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, we we heard the president's State of the Union last week, um, and you represent Oklahoma, a very important state in oil and gas. Um, we've had a lot of uh, changes since his remark. Um, we're seeing um, energy um, prices rise, uh, and I want to get into that. But first, let's just continue on his State of the Union address. He kind of demonized one more time big oil and gas for record record profits. But isn't, I mean, how can a big oil and gas company provide resources, an absolutely necessary commodity to the world, if it's not making a profit for their shareholders? And in whether they're buying back stocks or they're making record profits and dividends for their shareholders, isn't that the whole point to capitalism? What's happening here with when a president says something ridiculous like that? Let me say, suggest that uh, the president and those around him who are influencing his thinking and his approach do not understand supply and demand. They do not understand capitalism or believe in it to the extent that uh, many of us who advocate for free markets would would believe. Uh, I think that his criticism of energy companies, oil and gas companies for profiting is absolutely foolish. President Biden and his acts uh, to limit fossil fuel production in the United States of America has directly driven profits within the industry. That's right. And that's right. He is probably more responsible than any other individual in the United States for ensuring that oil and natural gas prices have been higher in the in the recent past. Uh, if you're going to criticize, demonize, um, slow down permitting, uh, constrict supply, you are going to get higher prices. And mm-hmm. this sort of magical thinking that there is something else coming very quickly uh, in a so-called energy transition is foolhardy, and we're only in for more price volatility as consumers as a result of the Biden administration's intent to incent Uh, more wind, more solar, to electrify everything, and then to demonize and harm the crude oil and natural gas industry. So if he is pointing a finger at someone, he should look in the mirror and then point the finger. Yep, we have a whole bunch of unicorns floating around in this administration. Let's switch gears and talk about the infrastructure bill that he mentioned as well, the IRA. There's a lot of infrastructure projects in there some for energy. How are y'all feeling about some of the the IRA and how it will affect the oil and gas industry? Can you well, comment we, on that? 
generally speaking, the Inflation Reduction Act, poorly named, is sort of Green New Deal light. Uh, they have sort of now put in place all the aspects of the Green New Deal, uh, maybe uh, a little less less severely than they had in the past. Um, it is clear that companies are going to have to think carefully about what programs they uh, take advantage of with regard to both well plugging uh, and the infrastructure bill. Uh, and with regard to tax credits for CCUS, carbon capture utilization and storage, uh, those can have a dramatic impact on how we plan our businesses on a go-forward basis. There will be some companies that will choose to sort of uh, uh, you know, get into that pretty uh, – focus on that pretty heavily, and then there will be other companies that are sort of like we're going to stick to our knitting. So it will be interesting to – see in a few years how that those efforts sort of roll out, uh, who takes advantage of them, uh, who doesn't, how that changes the oil and gas, uh, uh, what oil and gas looks like in the United States of America. So it's exciting to see. You know, I think that this term energy transition is really a, a very poor term. Uh, we, we've always had energy evolution. We're always finding ways to do things better, more efficiently, um, and, and more cleanly. And so I think that when you talk about evolution, that's something that everyone can sort of think about and embrace. But this idea that we're suddenly going to go for 10 years and then a switch is – something magical is going to happen, a switch is going to be flipped, and uh, everything is going to be different is just a complete falsehood. And it's a, right. sort of based on a really false religious belief, frankly. Right. And I think if people really understood that there are still countries out there, even though we never really leave our home, that don't even have access to proper energy as it is. So this means they lack clean water sources and they just lack things like a longer lifespan the way, you know, you know citizens in the United States do. Of course, energy's oil and gas can't go anywhere. If anything, the demand is on the rise in the future with the population. So you're right. This is a just, I guess, propaganda. The one thing that was missing, though, was the discussion on the um, the SPR and what is happening with the administration refilling that. So I want to talk about that. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve, Brooke, first of all, go on the record and tell our listeners your belief of how important is that fund. And it has not been depleted like the way it has been through this administration since 1983. What's the importance of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, better known as SPR? Well, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is an incredibly important part of U.S. geostrategic stability. And I, both parties have sort of leaned into SPRO in the past to sort of address some sort of an, a, a immediate political thing, but we've never seen a president – uh, draw down the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to enable his party to win midterm elections. And we saw uh, this effort leading up to the most recent midterm elections uh, as a result of runaway inflation, right? And people experience Caused by this administration, though. Caused by this administration with their policies, and they politicized this SPR. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. And we're back. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest is Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, before the break, we were talking about um, the uh, President Biden's State of the Union last week. One of the things that was missing was the mention of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is a very important reserve that we have for crisis. If, should the United States have a major crisis when, I mean, excuse me, a hurricane or even an act of war? I want to give you back the floor and, and tell us, because, um, you know, you were mentioning that this uh, strategic petroleum reserve has been really politicized by this administration like no other administration you've seen in the past. Please continue. Well, I, I just think it's unfortunate because while we as an industry have the ability to produce crude oil and natural gas more quickly than we ever have in the past, thanks to uh, the shale revolution. Uh, it is never wise to draw down that resource as far as has the Biden administration for the purpose of anything other than um, an actual crisis that is geopolitical. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we have to understand what they say, that they say, well, there actually was a crisis, and that was Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and we drew that down so that we get more supply into the market to help our European allies. Um, I, it depends upon how you're going to read that, but that's that's their excuse for that. But I think that but we— that's not really what happened. China got a lot of that. Our allies didn't. We can but recognize that what was really behind— the decision to draw down SPRO was the fear that inflation was going to decimate Democrats during the midterm election. Okay. And now let's fast forward. They put out proposals to repurchase and fill up the SBR again, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, in which they declined it because the pricing wasn't right. They want to, at the same time, replenish it like President Trump did, buying it at a very, very cheap rate. They want to be able to uh, return a rate of return to the taxpayers. Sure. That's a great. That's that's great, except for the pricing wasn't right, so they passed on this. But to me, looking at it, I feel as if you we go back to 1973 when we had a problem with the Middle East and being able to provide our energy needs here. Many of us that are older remember lines and lines of gas, uh, you know, to try to get gas. It was it was 
a very troubling time in the United States when we saw that people believed that we were running out of gas. And that strategic petroleum reserve was put in place specifically for that, to mm-hmm. avoid that. And then if we look at World War II, one of the significant things that really helped us win that war was that we had ready access to our energy needs, whereas uh, if we don't, you know, we need that to be able to uh, put it in our planes, tanks, ships. This is why the SPR exists, is for crisis. And we are in a troubling time right now where Russia has invaded Ukraine. We've had a Chinese spy balloon get clear into the United States and be shot down. Is this a good time to be messing around with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? I personally believe that it should never be used for political purposes for us uh, and we both parties have been a little bit guilty of it uh, in the past uh, the Biden administration has been the biggest offender of it and uh, that's not my view of how that should be used and I do not believe that the American people believe that's how it should be used so that's that's how I feel about it and uh, we'll see how successful they are and and, and refilling it Right. Well, it's the lowest it's been since 1983, and we remember those times. So I hope this administration takes it seriously and puts it back as soon as possible. Let's switch gears up. Talk about something a little bit more acceptable in the way of a little bit lighthearted. Let's, I want you to pull out your crystal ball and tell me, where are we going with uh, energy prices, especially you know, big oil? They are in profit. We've seen a, a rise on oil uh, here recently, you know, what do you see in the next quarter with energy? You know, we have um, interest rates that are affecting it, easing it. Um, do we see, do you see stability or do you see more up and down in major up and downs? Or are we just going to kind of plateau and just kind of fluctuate a little bit? Are we going to see a lot of highs and lows? Well, if I could accurately predict uh, crude oil and natural <laughs> gas prices, I probably would be doing something other than uh, running the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. I'd probably <laughs> be uh, you know, living in lower Manhattan and probably making some fat trades. But I, I will say something about what I see happening sort of in the mid-continent right now because we're, we, we look at data – uh, you know, economic numbers, what's happening on production, what's happening with regard to drilling activity, et cetera. And that's always uh, a little bit of a look in the rearview mirror. But I do see us potentially re-entering a period of higher risk associated with lower commodity prices, with Oklahoma sort of in a weakened position uh, on, a, on a few fronts. So we're sort of starting to see a softening with regard to uh, service costs, uh, we're probably we've seen a plateauing of rig activity in the state of Oklahoma as the natural gas prices have resettled uh, and oil prices have come down. So one of the things that I talk about sort of to close out our, our talk the same way that we opened it. I mean, I talk to legislators all the time and I say, well, you have to guys have to remember all those record receipts that we've been talking about, $17.4 billion dollars. In 2022, I mean, that's a result of the valuation of natural gas and crude oil, not necessarily production volumes. So our workforce was hit hard during COVID, uh, and technology also has uh, taken a toll on actual workforce numbers. So our oil and gas workforce remains smaller than at any time, really, in the modern oil and gas era. And then, uh, thanks to the rock uh, and Oklahoma's geology, as well as the economic uh the math associated with uh, production, you know, we're trailing some of our peer states when it comes to industry activity and investment. And when I speak to lawmakers, I always remind them 
that capital is a coward and it is going to flee to the places where there is the most certainty and the, the best return on investment. So back on the public policy front, be careful what you do. Think long-term, think sustainable, think about the future, and let's make certain that the oil and gas industry in the state of Oklahoma and, and across the nation uh, remains strong because we are going to need it for the long haul. Brooke, one last thing before I give our listeners where they can reach the Petroleum Alliance uh, for membership of uh, Oklahoma. Talk to us about how many members and, and what are you seeing in your members when it comes to the ESG whole discussion and how many of them are taking advantage of moving towards having to look at this as a, a model? Uh, and, and also are the service companies as well having to look at ESG in, in their platforms and changing their business models? Yes. So with regard to ESG, I mentioned earlier that we, the Biden administration has sort of managed to put in place all the pieces of its whole of government attack on crude oil and natural gas domestically. And I do not see a, an immediate reversal of those policies. My counsel to companies that want to remain going concerns for the long haul is be thoughtful about how you engage with regard to the uh, ESG reporting requirements that everyone is going to get caught up in. And it's not just the public companies, but it's the private companies. If you right. have not already gotten started on that, get started on it. And we should be very proud to produce the cleanest hydrocarbon molecules in the world. You guys are a great association out there. You have lots of luncheons. They get to meet executives. And then you have your big event as well for the year. So, yes, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you back on the show in the future. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Kim. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.